Welcome to the Conversations That Matter podcast. I am John Harris, and we have a special episode today, a panel discussion on the recent mini-documentary on First Baptist Naples. There was a situation that happened there a little over a year ago now that's kind of continued, and um, Enemies Within the Church did a great job. The link is in the info section if you want to check that out. Uh, but this is more for people who have watched that already. So you may want to watch that video first and then come back to this interview because we're going to talk about what's taken place since that interview or that, that documentary dropped and uh, get some additional reactions, some additional details from some of those who are closest to this situation. So I just want to welcome, uh, first of all, we have Ronnie now with us. Thank you, Ronnie, for joining us. And Judd Saul as, as well, who uh, directed uh, this uh, mini documentary. And we're supposed to have um, uh, another uh, person from the church who, who formerly was at First Baptist Naples who's going to come on. And, uh, and if Mike is able to make it, we will introduce him as well. But um, I want to start, Judd, with you. Um, and, and as I ask you the question, if you can first kind of um, tell me a little, just a little bit about the project, who you are, what you do. Um, but the question that I want you to answer is, what's been the reaction to this mini-documentary about First Baptist Church of Naples? We have had overwhelming positive response since we released the documentary. Um, it, has, it, it has gone a lot further than I thought it would. And the most interesting thing is, is we're getting responses from churches all over the country and we're getting responses from people within churches, and uh, and they're saying, wow, our church is going the same way, going woke, and people are putting up a fight to stop this in their churches. And so this documentary has inspired a lot of people. And we actually got word from a couple of pastors that were within the SBC that just said, after watching your documentary, we're done. We're out. Wow. Okay, so this is inspiring some people to fight, some people to leave the, the convention, it sounds like. Um, any negative reaction that you're aware um, of? Any, any SBC individuals or people within First Baptist Naples? I'm sure Ronnie's going to have something to say about this, but to you, Judd, have, have they said I, anything? I, I have not heard anything from within the SBC or within people from the other side at First Baptist Naples. Uh, like I said, I probably 50 to 1. Uh, for every 50 positive comments, we get one negative, but nothing directly from within inside uh, First Baptist Naples. Okay. Yeah, interesting. Um, Ronnie, uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about, I know you're a member at the, the church that was in this documentary. Tell us a little bit about that, any reaction that you've seen. Uh, just, just give us kind of the, the lay of the land there, if you would. Well, all the reactions I received has been very positive. And I'm surprised that I've been contacted by believers and some pastors from all over the country. Uh, that's been a surprise for me. Uh, this is so overwhelming for people. They are outmatched. The last time I, I saw this kind of disparity was when I was uh, president of a school board of a public school system. And to try and bring change with with the public school system machine opposing uh, reform and change. That's the last time I saw this kind of disparity in power. Uh, the Wokies have learned. They've learned from First Baptist, 
And if you look at some of the other uh, takeovers that they've been successful, they, they move much quicker than they did in Naples. It, yeah. it, it's surprising. By the time the remnant of, remnant of believers organize, it's practically over. Well, it's and, almost like spiritual blitzkrieg. It seems it like it, it's, it's a shock and, you know, it, almost like the election. Like Biden's the uh, president-elect and you can't ask any questions about the process. It's just this is who it is. Um, and, uh, you know, Ronnie, I, I was wondering because, you know, I know you're still a member there. Has there been an attempt to make? I resigned right? my membership last night at 9 p.m. Okay. <laughs> so you're not a member anymore. It, it, was there something that accompanied that and a reason? Yeah. For you to... um, the, the pastors and the leadership, they've had 10 months to enact the changes and reforms that myself and two other believers recommended. Um, they adopted three of the four, um, but they've misused uh, those recommendations. So what they've done instead, if you study the changes that they have already made or that they are bringing before a vote, uh, the changes they are making is to concentrate power in themselves. And as biblical Christians, with uh, we believe in diffused power and divided authority because we understand that our nature is fallen and that in this age, John, we never receive complete sanctification. My nature will always be fallen or sinful, always. Um, uh, that's, that's the beauty of salvation and, and grace. So what they're doing is they're concentrating power, and I can go into specifics if you want me to, uh, but they are neutering the rights of the minority, and they're moving towards major, majoritarianism. Now, Ronnie, you are a respected businessman in the community. You've, how long have you been a member at FBC Naples? Um, I, I was one of the newest members. Okay. Um, I, I had lived, we have a lot of snowbirds here. Right. And so um, I was splitting my time between North Carolina, where I belong to Colonial Baptist and, and here. So I transferred my membership over a year ago. Okay, so you kind of entered right as this was going on, and I did. I oh. entered. Uh, yeah, I, I, but I attended there since two thousand and four. Okay, but I didn't transfer a membership, and um, I always kind of stayed out of internecine fights. It's just been my nature. Um, but when John David Eddy, when he wrote the letter, the public letter accusing my brothers of being racist and a sickness and a cancer um, and then terminated 17 of them without a Matthew 18 process, I felt led by the Holy Spirit to fill staying in the gap for my brothers. Well, Ronnie, you are you're well respected uh, still among many uh, true brothers and sisters in Christ who know what you've done and sacrificed and the attempts you've made and your long suffering and patience in this. And I'm just so sorry that, um, that this has been your experience, but we're grateful that you're brave enough to come out. I, I want to turn, um, we have now um, Mike uh, Dolan just entered the chat. Hi, Mike. Wow. Doing? That is the most Christmas background. Uh, <laughs> um, so, 
you know, we're talking about this. You, you were featured in the First Baptist Naples documentary, and I know um, you were a member there. You're, uh, you know, a, a police officer and, and, a, and a, an evangelist as well, as I understand. Right. And, um, and so your heart is very much for the Lord, uh, for foster children and these kinds of things. And, um, and, and this has been a hard situation for you and your wife. And uh, I wanted to ask, um, first of all, before the episode last year that took place with Marcus Hayes and all of that, were you aware at all of a leftward drift uh, at FBC Naples? Did you see anything that gave you a red flag? Hey, what, what's going on? Or did it just kind of hit you at once? No, it didn't hit us at once. In fact, uh, not just myself, but several of the church members uh, uh, saw this drift coming. Uh, and uh, Martin uh, Neomoller, a German theologian during the, the times of uh, World War II, he famously said, because they first came for the socialists and I wasn't a socialist, I didn't say anything. And he goes on to say, because I, I wasn't a trade unionist and they went after the trade unionists, and I, I didn't say anything. And finally, they came after me and there was no one left. That's, um, now don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying that, I'm not comparing what they're doing to Nazi Germany at all. But what I am saying is that one by one, they systematic, systematically picked off key leaders and key supporters uh, for the, the pastor and for the church until there was nobody left but the pastor. Uh, as an example, about a year beforehand, we saw the executive pastor take the, uh, the chief accountant uh, uh, and tell him, change your accounting methods and change the way you report this. And he was a good man, a solid accountant, and he refused to do it, and he led him to the door with security and fired him on the spot, running his own accountant. Uh, they, uh, they took the security team, the pastor's personal, he sort of had a personal bodyguard, yes. uh, and they personally fired him, and then they dismantled the entire security team. The pastor has no more security. They, uh, they took the pastor's best friend and a deacon, a longtime deacon who was in charge of church membership, how do we bring how do we bring these new members into the church and get them engaged? And he personally dismantled his program, said it's no longer necessary. And all, and each time these people would go to the pastor and say, Did you know? Did you know? And the pastor would would be well, I wasn't in those meetings, but he would he would try his best to support his his new pick for the executive pastor. And next thing you know, the pastor uh, is approached by a personal friend who again had, uh, was picked off by John David Eady. Uh, John David Eady said, uh, we're going to wind down Operation Christmas Child. Mm -hmm. And he talked about winding down doing church weddings. Mm -hmm. And I said, no, not on my watch. We're not gonna do that on my watch. And she went to the pastor and the pastor said, at this point, I agree with you, but I have no one to support me. So over time, over a period of time, everybody saw this coming and he no longer had the support. So this is, didn't happen overnight. This happened over time. And people saw it, and we just couldn't stop it. So what it sounds like is that within the leadership who was already there, they were consolidating over a period of years and months. And then um, and when it came time to try to get Marcus Hayes in there, it was, it was the blitzkrieg. It was like, shove, shove this person in as soon as possible. But leading up to that, there were signs, there were things 
that others who hear this story can take note of uh, if it's happening, you know, in their church. Um, I wanted to ask you too, uh, Mike, there were many who did not want to come on camera. I was down there. I remember talking to some of those who had stories who were crying, who just, they, they couldn't go on camera. I know there were people, um, and many don't realize this, there were calls being made even the day that Judd was filming. Uh, hey, don't talk to those guys, you know, mm -hmm. um, a lot of interference being run. So, that, so you were brave and many were brave to, to um, come on camera anyway. But I, I want to ask, um, because I think it all comes down to this, being called a racist is such a damaging thing. Uh, when it's not true, especially, um, how has this experience impacted your lives and the lives of others uh, who are called that at, from First Baptist Naples? Oh, can you imagine in the days of uh, colonial day, uh, the woman who commits adultery, she has to wear the scarlet letter, right? Everywhere she goes, she wears that scarlet letter, and people will thrust their finger and, and call you an adulterer. Uh, it's kind of the same way now. People didn't want to come on camera because they didn't want to say, you're a racist uh, or you're associated with a racist. And, you know, when you label someone with that big R word, people just, they jump to that preconceived notion that there must be something true about that. But uh, I can assure you, this had, no, on our end, this had nothing to do with race. It has impacted us. Uh, 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 I find it ironic that tomorrow, the entire sheriff's office uh, we're being called to go to First Baptist Church of Naples to take impl implicit bias training. Of all places, they're going to send us to the church. You're kidding. To two million people in Southwest Florida saying, we have a racist problem in our church, and we're going to deal with it. And now they're going to post implicit bias training. So it does impact us. It has impacted my family personally. Uh, I've, uh, we are constantly called to defend ourselves because there's an assumption that there must be something, even something small, true there. As an example, if you don't mind, yes. uh, I have a, a, a long time friend that I uh, sat at a Bible and life group every Wednesday with men's group. Uh, and uh, I liked him. No, I loved him. Uh, a wonderful Vietnam vet and uh, a deacon in the church. And when all this racist name was being thrown about, he came to me as my, uh, my, uh, brand new daughter, she's 10 years old, we just adopted her. Uh, she's a, uh, uh, she's half black, half white, right? And she's running up and down the, uh, the hallway uh, and he says, come on, Mike, you're a police officer, tell me the truth. Uh, you guys, if there are two cars being, you see side by side, one's full of white men, one's full of black men, who are you gonna pull over? And I looked at him, I said, that, I said I'm gonna pull over the guy that breaks the law. Right. And he couldn't fathom that. But that's where that, when you label someone with that R word, the racist word, they automatically assume must be something there. And we are caused to have to defend that. And even after you defend that, uh, they still walk away thinking, hmm, maybe there's a little bit of something I missed. I, I want to ask, and this is really for anyone, um, you know, and I, I want to say too, Mike, I'm so sorry for that because you mentioned that story as well in the documentary. And I can tell that, that that's a hard thing to go through for anyone to be falsely accused. What, what I want to ask is, um, has there been any movement to try to, I mean, and I mean legitimate movement, authentic, uh, sincere, wanting to apologize uh, from the leadership for the way that you all were treated? 
Have you heard anything? Any Ronnie or Mike? Oh, I'll jump in there if you don't mind. I, uh, uh, September 13th, 2019, I reached out to the chairman of the deacon and said, uh, and I'm, if, I don't know if you, I won't share his name, but uh, I said, we had a very difficult conversation. Uh, there's sin in the camp. I need to meet with you and we need to reconcile. Never heard a word. October 26, 2019, I said, listen, I've been reaching out to you. You're not returning my calls, my texts, my email. We need to fix this because there's sin in the camp and we need to move on. Uh, as early as uh, perhaps two months ago, I sent a note to uh, the new executive pastor, Kevin Taylor, saying, listen, Kevin, I understand you're trying to reconcile. I have a, 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 in my mission work, I've come across someone who is an expert at this. Let's come together. Let's fix this. And uh, he sent a, a note back saying, uh, I love you because the Bible says I must love you. Well, thanks, Kevin. But, uh, you know, forced love isn't really love at all, right? Uh, that it came across as disingenuous. But to answer your question, has anybody, I mean, anybody reached out to this family to reconcile? No, they have not. No. And, that, and that's unfortunate. Even since the documentary was dropped, um, Judd or, or Ronnie, because either of you, I think, would know something about this. I know there were some other stories that were not included in the documentary um think like for instance uh orders uh, no trespassing orders sent to certain individuals trying to hurt certain individuals businesses because of the stand they took um and, that, and my assumption is some of these things were not included just because those people weren't willing to come on camera uh are there other things that maybe should be mentioned about this story that that just when you hear them, you think, oh my goodness, like that's, um, not, the story's bad enough as it is, but it makes it even uh, worse in, in a sense or uh, more concerning. I'll, I'll let Ronnie take that one. <laughs> okay, uh, Ronnie, were there things that were left on the cutting room floor that people ought to know about? Yeah, sure. I mean, there was a lot of fear mongering. Um, there was a lot of um, uh, finger pointing. People were afraid. Uh, people were afraid for their business. People were afraid to come on camera. People were afraid for their children because their children attend the First Baptist Academy. Um, the fake, I think they were, Mike can answer this question. I think they were fake restraining orders. I don't think they went, I don't think they went through a judge. Did they, Mike? Uh, no, they didn't go through a judge, but they did uh, tell people, uh, don't come here to worship. Uh, if you have children on campus, stay in your lane, uh, attend their event, but do not associate or commingle or uh, or come to the worship side. Uh, and uh, they sent out specific, they hired uh, Florida's most expensive and reputable law firm to send out uh, notices to members uh, that were disciplined. And... Uh, and the attorney, the group of attorneys basically said, we want you to know we are investigating this and you must cease and desist or else we will take the next step forward and do the legal process, file a lawsuit, restraining orders, etc." So, yeah. Um, to my knowledge, to this day, they will not release the membership list to members, which is in violation 
of their tax exempt status status under Florida law. Uh, so we cannot communicate with each other. We're not allowed to have that list. Um, okay. We so there was a lot that happened, John, after December first. Uh, three, three of including myself, three of us were uh, requested to be emissaries and speak to the the pastors, and we had many closed uh, door meetings uh, with the pastors. We were very, very close to having a, a, a meeting with the pastoral staff and Pastor Wicker. We, I, would say with, I would say within 48 hours. During that time, the pastoral staff decided to release to Pastor Wicker an accounting audit that they had done going years back and sent him a bill um based on their audit which blew up the entire restoration the spirit of restoration and a face-to-face -face meeting with the wickers i i would say that was the most significant issue that that came after december which is when you all did your video right so um Oh, go ahead, Mike. Uh, during those meetings, uh, as you were trying to uh, uh, establish some sort of a reconciliation process, specifically our names were brought up, the Dolans. Yeah, yes. And the pastors were famously saying uh, at first, well, we didn't discipline the Dolans, they quit. And well, that's true, we did quit. We resigned, or I respectfully resigned our, our membership. I did it by email. Uh, and they received it. We know for a fact they received it. And then they changed their, when you challenge them on that, because we have a letter from Kevin Taylor saying, you've been disciplined and I'm no yeah. longer shepherd of your souls. Go find somebody new, something uh, to that effect. Uh, then they changed their, their, their strategy from, well, we, our, our letters crossed in the mail. We sent them a letter as we were sending, as they were sending us a letter. Therefore, it was a, a, an honest error. Well, that's, that's a lie. They, if they said that, they lied once again, because during the, the discipline meeting, we had two attorneys stand up in the meeting and say, John David Eady, you need to know that the Dolans have already resigned. I've got it right here. And if you move forward with disciplining non-members, you have put this church and every, every person here taking this vote in a terrible, libelous position. Mm -hmm. And John David Eady basically said, I'll handle that. You just vote. Uh, so even as, as Ronnie and the team are trying to reconcile, they're hanging on to that lie. That is correct. Can't give it up. Judd, I wanted to ask you something, because I know, you know the purpose of, of us doing this um, isn't, isn't just to, to beat up on uh, the way that this process was handled, um, but it's to expose and it's to try, sound the alarm for other churches that you don't want this happening. And so often it seems like in, in this case is a classic example, corruption is associated with the social justice stuff because we haven't even talked about the social justice stuff, even though that was kind of the, the thing that you know, caused uh, all these members to be called racist and so forth. Um, how often do you see that, Judd? I mean, is that just me who's noticing that? Does the corruption and the social justice stuff go together? And if so, what advice do you have for other churches uh, when they start seeing some of the things that happen at First Baptist Naples? What should they do? Well, first and foremost, um, 
yeah, social justice and corruption go hand in hand because social justice is not of the Bible, it's not of the scriptures, and it's a, it's a socialist uh, mindset mentality. In order for them to achieve this objective, they have to manipulate, lie, and change the rules from within to take over a church. Now, the first thing churches need to do is, first, don't hire a woke pastor. These, these guys will sign every statement of faith and and, and agree with your, you know, with, the, with your church, uh, you know, say he agrees with your church bylaws and church vision. And as soon as he gets in, he's going to start the process to undo everything this church was trying to do. So what, what, peop, what, what people need to do, if you already hired a Wokey, that's what we're calling them. Thanks, Ronnie. We call them Wokey. If you, if you hire a Wokey, the first thing you need to do is you need to get in your bylaws and memorize them and start enacting change and committees now and and if you don't and if you want to avoid mission drift you should probably look at your bylaws and change them and make them foolproof before these situations arise but if you're already starting to see this happen in your church you got to get right into your bylaws and start the process now to undo what these wokies are going to do to your church which is the and i I, john i would add that um, if you have an elder board, do not let the elder board be dissolved. If you, ha- if you don't have an elder board, you need to change the constitution and add an elder board. That's the firewall. That's the firewall between uh, the remnant of believers and uh, the woke takeover of your church. And, and that's the point at which we began to lose control of our church as soon as yes. they elders went to be in a committee-led church. Uh, they, they disposed yep. of the old committee members, brought in the brand new committee members supported by John Eady, and the pastor lost con- complete control. So John, I, you know, I hope this isn't boring and you're not losing uh, viewers. No. But for example, here's what, the Wokies, here's what the Wokies will do. If your constitution says that the lay people may uh, recommend nominees for committees. They will not. They will not allow you to no, uh, nominate people for the committees. It, it has to say shall. Lay people shall nominate. So any wiggle room in your constitution, um, they will take advantage of that. Um, winding down here, and those are great things, great advice, guys. I appreciate that. Winding down, Judd, uh, since we only have a little over a minute, where can people go if they have a story, they want to contact you, they need advice, um, enemies within the church, you know, come to our church or our organization, but what should they do? Um, well, they can, they can come to our website. They can send us information. Um, we can't cover every story. I mean, people have to realize this isn't, this isn't just your little church problem. This is happening all over America. Yeah. And we're just a small team uh, that is trying to raise the alarm about what's happening on more of a, a, of a bigger scale. But, um, but your stories need to get out there. Uh, we have a social media group, uh, Enemies Within the Church, launch team on Facebook. Come out there, uh, network with us. Um, if you want to support, continue to support the work we're doing by raising the alarm on these issues, uh, please visit uh, www.enemieswithinthechurch.com. Uh, right. Support us. 
Well, thank you, Judd and, and Ronnie and Mike as well for your bravery, your advice, and it is, it is well appreciated. And this is helping a lot of people. I've even gotten some of those emails as well. It's inspiring folks. So God bless you guys. Have a Merry Christmas. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.